Wait, what is the Disney Channel theme? Bum, 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 bum. Hi, I'm Luke Hofer, and you're listening to D-Combat. Coming up next, a man in his 30s judges movies that were definitely not made for his demographic. Starting at 8, 7 central. Hi everybody, my name's Luke Hofer, and welcome to the first episode of D-Combat. D-Combat is a no-holds-barred, single-elimination tournament for every single Disney Channel original movie between the years of 1997 and 2015. Each week, I'll be reviewing two different movies going head-to-head against each other and determining which one is my favorite. I'm here with my wife, Jill. Hi! And we'll be discussing the pros and cons of our two movies this week and the first match of the first round between Genius and Rip Girls. Ooh, good one. First up, we'll be talking about the 1999 DCOM, Genius. Charlie, played by a still to this day unknown Trevor Morgan, is a 14-year-old science whiz, hockey lover, and all-around genius who's about to start his college career as a student slash research assistant slash adjunct professor. And as if that weren't enough slashes for one 14-year-old boy, he's running with a beautiful eighth grade girl figure skater in his new college town, a young Emmy Rossum as Claire prompts him to also enroll himself in a local junior high so that he can flirt with her. He takes on a class clown bad boy persona to impress Claire because it's the 90s. Starring a bunch of other unnotable white dudes, Genius explores themes of identity, young love, and of course, made up scientific concepts like the constantly alluded to but never fully explained Gravitron. Graviton? I, I Gravitron? Am, well, all the, all the science in this movie is very suspect. Oh, what was it? Gravitron or Graviton? Graviton. Graviton. I couldn't even remember. Because I, I, I remember thinking like, oh, I associate Gravitron with some kind of like uh, machine or something like that. And they kept saying Graviton because they were looking for like some sort of molecule. It or was something like, like it that. was more of a concept. It was really just a giant MacGuffin <laughs> that let them do whatever the hell they wanted in the third act. It was like the whole reason he came to this school, right? He yeah. was like, oh, the Graviton, it's below the figure scared the skating rink. Yeah, which, first of all, wild <laughs> choice by that university to put one of the most important research facilities on the planet, apparently, <laughs> underneath an ice skating rink. Um, okay, what did you think of this movie overall? Um, this was a great movie to get started with because I actually really liked it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. Um, it was a very simple premise to keep up with, um, like nothing too wild or too crazy. And it had a, just enough, it had just enough ridiculousness in it for me to like be entertained and enjoy it, but also like a really great heart. And also I'm starting to become a huge champion of like the hour and a half movie format where you just get in get the story and get out. It was a really great movie to start, especially since part of my goal with this project is just to enjoy movies more because it was a very enjoyable movie. I just I really liked it so much. It was a really I'd never seen this one before, so it's my first time seeing it, too. And it was a very strong start as far as child acting goes. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Um, oh, no. That is like not already a having <laughs> after having already seen two of them, I realized that the caliber of acting in that first movie was set very high. So the guy Trevor Morgan, mm-hmm. he's been in like random things since then. He's the guy who plays Charlie, the kid, Charlie slash Chaz, because Chaz is his middle school. Alter ego. Yes. Yeah. So 
Trevor Morgan's been in like a couple of random things since then, but like he did not have much career. This kid was a like he a went star. for it. He was so good. He went for it, and he I think in every scenario he acted just like he wasn't trying to do too much. He acted just like a middle schooler would act in all of those scenarios. He was appropriately mystified by everything going on around him and it was it was really great like i believed all of the kids in this show actually or the the movie you did i didn't believe emmy rossum i was like girl you got a long way to go till you're christine and phantom no <laughs> that's <laughs> that's entirely different though i think as a middle schooler she she did really well I, I guess that's fair she was my only thing was that i was like well she was just moody the whole time but now that you're saying that like Middle yes, school middle girl, schooler. sorry. I was like, isn't that what a middle school girl middle school girl is? Like she's just moody all the time. Um, but no, it was it was a really great movie. I loved all the actors. Um Chad slash Chaz. No, Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> I love the fact that he had two supportive parents in the movie. That's a rare for a Disney movie, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but also, I mean, that happened in Rip Girls as well, too. Like, too well, yeah, you'll see maybe not D supportive parents, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't follow the um, the Disney... Disney trope of dead parents. Okay, or good dead to know. Mom, dead good dad. To know. This is it's a little bit of a different. Um, although there is a okay. Anyway, but I, I mean, if we want to keep going along the acting thing, I I do think it was really solid. Like nobody really stood out to me in the movie as far as acting is considered. But I do think everybody did a really great job, and it just seemed like everybody was having fun with the movie too. Like they realized that like, hey, maybe we'll never be in a movie ever again, <laughs> except for Emmy Rossum, I guess. But maybe we'll never be in a movie again, and so let's just have fun with it. And they just went with it. Uh, so the adults it was, were it was good really, too. The adults were really good. Uh, the the main scientist, I forget what his name was, but the guy with the crazy hair, he was a little over the top. But I think that was probably just supposed to be his persona. I forget what it, the character's name was. Um, I'll look him up. The I really enjoyed the the hockey coach too. He like he seemed like a villain at first and was like really angry and everything. But then we actually got some like his character was fleshed out. And we found out, like, oh, he's actually just, like, worried about keeping his job because we have this super eccentric dean that desperately wants to be Jim Carrey that's running around everywhere. Okay, so the guy who played the scientist, uh, his name is Charles Fleischer, Fleischer um, and his character's name was uh, Dr. Crookstein. Mm, right, okay. He basically since has just been in a bunch of um horror movies like he was in a nightmare on elm street he was in zodiac um but he also wasn't back to the future part two he was terry oh he did look familiar but i don't remember the I role that he plays in back to the future part two anyway but anyway uh yeah scientist was a little over the top but i think um but i think appropriate for the role the only thing that really confused me was he gets really mad at charlie when they're doing their final um experiment in the lab where they're like trying to like mess up the hockey game or whatever and he gets really upset and then they're missing the one like particle that they need and he comes back in on roller skates i forgot about that i, I had no idea like that just came so out of left field i did not understand why <laughs> why he was doing this it was just something the plot needed to move forward to create a little bit of suspense um but yeah he was great. Uh, I did like the hockey coach as well. 
uh, because at the beginning I thought he was going to be kind of a one-sided villain, but then we got the twist where we find out that he's actually Emmy Rossum's dad. Yes. That was that was good. That was good. That was good. I was not expecting that. That was really exciting. I like that. And then also to flesh his character out a little bit more and find out that like, oh, he's not a dick. He just is a little bit afraid of losing his job. Maybe not a little bit afraid. He's a lot of bit afraid of losing his job. Which listen, he's got a family to support. If he's a collegiate, a low, community college hockey coach, probably a lot to lose. An absentee <laughs> wife that is apparently really good at figure skating. And so he was good. I liked him. And then I also really, again, I really enjoyed the Dean who was just trying his hardest to be Jim Carrey. Yeah, the like, Dean had made some choices. Made some choices, was like avidly trying to emulate Jim Carrey the entire time desperately wanted to be him and maybe if this movie had been filmed like five years earlier i would have been like okay he thinks this is his ticket to stardom but in 1999 like desperately trying to be jim carrey like after he had entered his drama phase is kind of it's a little off the wall uh but he made some choices and honestly i think a lot of them worked for the character like he realized how ridiculously fickle the dean was and it kind of played really well with the character so it was it was fun it was good i really liked it um the cgi in the movie serviceable fun came in at <laughs> weird points the only two well there was the there was the part at the beginning where he to show off how smart he is charlie has the little device that like zambonis the entire ice rink in like three seconds and so then there's like the little flash of light that goes over it. Like that looked pretty good. And then towards the middle of the movie when he's goofing off and he has like the remote control skeleton. <laughs> that was wild. That was. For 99, I was like, this is pretty good. It Like for a 1999, like premiered on television yes. movie, like did not look bad. Did not look bad. Uh, but was still really wild. Um like, I want to know in the production meeting, like, how they got the funding for that. Because they're like, oh, no, it's going to be a dancing skeleton. And this kid about this movie about a kid that's super smart. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, trust, we, us. Trust, trust us. Trust us. It's going to be good. It's going to be a game changer. <laughs> um, and then there was the the weird shots of, like, the hockey players that were, like, floating above the ring yeah. with, <laughs> after they found the graviton. Which can, yeah, literally do anything that the plot needs it to do. Um. I did. I don't remember the music, but I do have a note that says sick montage music. Mm. Also, having Emmy Rossum's character say, uh, oh, doesn't Charlie get her a gift? And it's the new Backstreet Boys CD. Yes. Like, what a pull. Like, that took me back. I, I felt that. It was so good. I wonder, I don't know which Backstreet, or maybe it was in sync. No, she said the new Backstreet Boys. Okay. I have it down in my notes as a, as a quote. Well, what would that have been in? 99 that was millennium. Like millennium yeah and that was what an album oh that was the first cd i'd ever bought with my own money same oh that's right i forgot about that yeah that's adorable. Ah, go us that's so cute yeah. invisible strings yeah what a movie to start with <laughs> it's all full circle okay what else was a pro about this movie or should we move on to cons um pros about the movie um uh overall like it's pretty good um, I did like that the bad guys were essentially like a knockoff of the team from Iceland from the oh, Mighty yeah. Ducks too. Sure. That was a big, I was a big fan of that. I really liked that. Um, 
but overall like the characters were all like super likable i think all the people that were mean had like great redemption arcs for the most part except the evil hockey players from the other school um which also (laughs) i love that like their big strategy is just to beat the crap out of like the best player on the team. Some of like, the things that's that why were the... happening on that ice, I was like, like part even of the, the strategy... NHL would have been like probably some box for the whole game type of calls. Like, um, what's the oh shoot, what's the move that they were doing on the refs? Like, part of the strategy <laughs> is like literally checking to, the refs. Yeah, to like kneecap the refs, like entirely. Um, like chop block like full on like somebody goes under somebody goes high and they like just annihilate the ref and that's part of the strategy it was wild and like if they're gonna go that far i don't know why they don't just like do that from the beginning of the game (laughs) and they get like they get away with it which is crazy like they're just like totally beat the crap out of the refs and they get away with it which is wild um but the movie moves at too fast a clip to really like show the comeuppance (laughs) from like just completely disregarding the rules of hockey. Yeah, you really can't have too much fallout from that when you are simultaneously putting on a sports movie, a junior high coming of age romance story, uh, science discovering new concepts story with yeah. the mad scientist, uh, and the, uh, I don't know, fun dad? Yeah, <laughs> there, fun. Was, there was... That brings me into my first con, which is just Charlie is doing way too much in this movie. <laughs> he like it is that is the most unbelievable part of this movie is the fact that he is trying to teach classes, do research and has time to uh, have an undercover life as a middle schooler and go to all of his classes at the middle school. And he's being tutored by Claire. Yes. Remember? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I as forgot a about that. high student, he's faking being tutored by Claire because yeah. he's like the classic, like, oh, well. Like, she'll fall in love with me if I, yeah. Which, jumping back to the pros, actually, like, <laughs> <laughs> I liked this movie. I really liked this movie. Like, any any cons for this movie would really just be nitpicking. Uh, but, like, I did cheer at the one point where he, like, has the... What's the really smooth line that he has when they're out on the ice skating well, before rink? he went to kiss her? Yeah. Where, oh, she's talking about her mom. And she says, oh, she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And then he goes, you're the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> and then he tries to kiss her. I, like, cheered at that point. That was so awesome. Like, you um, go, Chaz. And, like, he had earned it. Like, they had spent so much time together being tutored. I don't know when he had time to be tutored by her. He was probably foregoing a lot of his other responsibilities in order there's to be no way he was grading papers there it is distinctly possible that that roommate guy that asked for his help at the end of the movie did not have a good grade in that class because charlie just was not teaching that class <laughs> like he was probably just abandoning anything. that class <laughs> and not took teaching it virtual it. before that was a possibility yeah and i bet you the way that the class reacted they probably did not care and then at the end of the semester they're like why do we all have f's and then Let's think for just two, let's break down the timetable for two seconds of a day in the life of Charlie slash Chaz Boyle. Wakes up at 2 (laughs) a.m. Probably because when else is he going to grade papers? He's got to grade papers. Or do his like curriculum for Mm -hmm. class, like put together his lesson plans. Um, Because he's spending at least, so it's like the way that it looked in the movie is that like, he was, I mean, he was in middle school mm-hmm. for what? Typically schools 730 yeah, to Yeah, let's three. just say, like, let's be conservative and say eight to three. Eight like, to three is where he's over at the Because this was high. the 90s, which that was the Wild <laughs> West of school time. Like, <laughs> right. you could show up for class, you could not. 
which he did it to be fair he did allude at one point to one of his cool junior high friends that he was like uh like oh yeah i'm skipping class oh like, like yeah oh yeah i guess that was part of his cool middle school persona was that he like skips class all the time so, and maybe so like he was shows just up showing up for like he shows up for like clear. five minutes which actually raises more questions for me because first of all how is this kid arranging transportation between the college and the middle school because he <laughs> no, cannot he drive he cannot drive so either it's this town it's walkable so yeah i was like either this town has incredible infrastructure or amazing public transportation or something else is going on he's using graviton obviously. no he hadn't found it yet he hadn't discovered it yet and so he's showing up for the last like five minutes of all of his classes. So he's like commuting back and forth between this middle school and the college, which to be fair is probably close enough because they go on like an ad hoc uh, field trip to the college to see Charlie at one point in time. Who, I forgot about that plot point. Yeah. Oh, where he then tries to pretend like he's in the class, but also like talking to the class at the same point in time, which is just a wild comedy of errors there. Like some great farcical comedy that happens with a like a literal college professor like shoving a 13-year-old kid in a wheelchair. <laughs> like off stage and ultimately like does does he fall down some stairs or am i just imagining i think that? it's just off stage big crash the classic trope which was very entertaining um so no i think like i don't remember any cons from the movie i enjoyed it so much i think my only con was the suspension of disbelief i had to have to believe that this kid was doing all of these things to like do all of the research, which to be fair, I don't think that he was actually doing any research because whenever it showed them doing quote unquote research in the lab, the only thing that was on the computer screen were these like random patterns and things that would show up on the computer screen. I don't know if you were watching it while it was while they were like doing research, but they like that desk was always so clean. There were no papers out. Neither one of them ever had a clipboard in their hand. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't know. The only time they had clipboards in their hands were like when they wanted to like look smart or like be distracted during their monologue or whatever. It's wild. But Charlie was supposed to be doing research and he would just have his feet up on the desk and the computer would literally have like nothing on the screen. It'd just be like <laughs> random windows popping up with like like static or different patterns like happening. It was 1999. Like computers but he had were an weird. shaped desk. So you knew the shit was going down. It was a big desk. He had a big, big work area. I did also love the, I feel like this is a random, like, very specifically, like, late 90s kind of aesthetic, but the TVs on scaffolding that they just pull into the lab, like, while oh, they're yeah. doing the thing with during the hockey game, um, so that they can see why they need three TVs <laughs> to see what's going on. I don't understand. But I love the funding that the school has towards its STEM programs, clearly. That's it's, true. It's like, where did they and they've got find three all this TVs stuff? in their lab. Come on. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. And apparently the uh, Emmy Rossum's family vacations at Lake Chenoweth. And I wanted to know if it had any connection to Kristen Chenoweth. <laughs> I would like for it to. <laughs> I, in my mind, it does. The Broadway cinematic universe crossing over with the com cinematic. Mm -hmm. Next up is 2000's Rip Girls. 
A teenage girl named Sydney, who is a young Camilla Bell, former lover of Joe Jonas in his bad boy solo era, hello, and her father and stepmother, the whitest people alive, come to an island on Hawaii to visit a family property left to Sydney by the last surviving relative of her biological mother, who died when she was very young in a tragic surf accident. As Sydney weighs her options of keeping the family home or selling it to a mega resort corporation who's ready to cough up buco bucks for it, which is a natural decision that any 13-year-old would be making without guidance from her very present father, she meets a variety of friends on the island, including a boy, obviously, who share their love of surf with her. But her overprotective father, who clearly has some major baggage from the loss of his first wife, doesn't want her to rip it with the girls. Despite his protests, we the audience are delighted with classic decom slow-mo surf shots set to panderingly Hawaiian music. And we think Camila Bell actually surfs in this one. Yeah, I think some of those shots were actually her on the surfboard, which was really great. I really think most of them were. She didn't like do any crazy surf. No, well, but... that was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie is the fact that they didn't make her like a white savior kind of character. <laughs> like... But they were a also trying to pass her as Hawaiian, and she is decidedly not, not Hawaiian. She is half Brazilian, yeah, half very white. Just not Hawaiian in the slightest. <laughs> but like, I was, I was actually really happy that the movie didn't like. I did go into the film with an entirely different perception of what it was going to be, thinking that there was going to like, I thought it was going to focus on a surf competition, and that surfing was going to be like the plot point that they were going to have and that she was gonna like learn to surf and then become this like amazing surfer within the two weeks that she's on the island like i thought that's where the plot was going at the very beginning but no i i actually really liked that surfing wasn't like the outcome surfing was just this thing that connected her back to her mother which was really great so it's like she never turns out to be a good surfer like she's never good at surfing she just goes out and surfs with these people to like connect her to the island to connect her to her mother which was really great because it definitely would have all the suspension of disbelief that I had to do for a lot of stuff <laughs> in this movie. Um, surfing was not one of those. Like she always looked uncertain and like not super good. And I really appreciated how good her friends were for cheering her on, even though she wasn't like a good surfer. Cause like having tried surfing once in my life, it is not easy. Like it is, <laughs> it's kind of hard to learn. Um, especially when you're a white person from the Midwest, like she was. <laughs> Yeah, that lesson on the beach was very realistic. Yes, that's exactly, yeah, that's what, exactly what we had to do on the honeymoon <laughs> when we learned how to surf. Um, so I liked the surfing aspect of it. I don't think it's what I expected. Maybe not what I wanted either, but I did really like it. That it was like it wasn't a focused surfing story. And that surfing was really just like something that they used to connect her back to her mom um, okay, on the so island. What were some of the pros? Pros. Um, the ridiculous... Um, what is it? Um, not vernacular, the ridiculous, um, slang that they would use mm -hmm. all the time, which was really fun. Um, I did like, <laughs> um, there was like a little bit of like a supernatural kind of thing. I thought that she ran into that cat like three times at the beginning of the movie. And I was like, oh man, it's the soul of her mom and the cat. And then the cat never showed up again. They really went hard on a couple things in Act 1 of this movie that they never addressed again. The yeah. supernatural thing being one, because then remember, like, the cabinet opened by itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, mysterious... Yeah, like, and so I was like, oh, man, there's going to be, like... I was I was simultaneously excited and worried because, one, I was like, oh, this is something that I did not see coming in this movie. It's like a supernatural, like, maybe there will be a ghost here. 
Um, and then I was also really concerned because I was like, oh, was this going to like just totally appropriate like Hawaiian <laughs> Which I like think traditions and things like that? Maybe they were starting to get there and they realized the yeah. error of their ways mid-filming yeah. and said, we got to cut this. But then it's just like this weird supernatural stuff that leads her to a surfboard that's apparently like super cool. Um <laughs> And then is like completely dropped. Yeah, surfboard. yeah. It was her mom's surfboard, which is nice. But then like all the supernatural stuff is just like completely dropped. Like yes. it's all this weird things that doesn't have a setup. Um, the weird person with the binoculars that, Wait, that they spend a, a lot of. Is this a pro or <laughs> Absolutely. It's a pro. So to set the scene, literally the first scene of this movie, one of the first things you see is. Sydney and her dad and her stepmom arriving at this house. The view that you, that we, the audience, gets is through binocular lens, and then we see this like old woman looking through binoculars, and then she shows up like a few times. They show the person with the binoculars like two or three times, and then they never talk about never it again. Addressed. <laughs> never addressed. Never brought up. Like their suspenseful music. Like they make this a like a pretty interesting point. I do believe that the person with the binoculars was supposed to be the woman. What's her name? Melani? Was that it? The the, the mom. mom. Yeah. Mom? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't remember her name. I think it was like Melani or something like that. Um, I think it was supposed to be her. Like I, I believe that that was supposed to be the connection. Definitely was not the person was with the binoculars. Was not made clear. Was not made clear at all. So was it her? Was it not her? Um, but like. Because it it was pretty jarring when um, girl gets in the accident and then she's like just at this random person and this random person knows exactly who she is, um, even though we haven't seen her in the movie so far. So I think those were like two separate threads that were supposed to be coming yeah. together, but it was really not made clear. Um, but in the not being made clear, I actually enjoyed it because it was hilarious. <laughs> because we were like hypothesizing for most of the movie about like who we thought the person with the binoculars was and then all of a sudden in the third act we were like they're not gonna tell us yeah they're They're not gonna gonna tell us they're not gonna tell us who the binoculars were because with like this weird person scoping out the family and all the supernatural stuff i was like yes this is this is gonna be exactly what i want out of this movie and then it was more drama oriented rather than like weird surfing cabal and supernatural oriented but it was it was still a pretty good movie. I won't say it was a bad movie. Um, nice little cameo of Musubi in the movie as well. Our we favorite Hawaiian, our favorite Hawaiian snack. Oh, what I wouldn't give for Musubi right now. Um, another pro, honestly, the parents, both of them. Oh yeah, both of them. Good actors do really well. Dad is a great villain. Like he's. Honestly, I would show this to a film class on how to write a villain, like how to write a sympathetic villain, because like he is definitely the antagonist for most of the movie because he's trying to keep uh, Camilla Bell from doing whatever she wants. And but he's sympathetic because you understand why he's doing what he's doing. You might not like agree with what he's doing, but you totally understand it. And so like movie you understand. Yeah. And so it's really great. And then like the triumph over that antagonist comes like. Like, it's him and his daughter meeting together about, like, how to deal with, like, the the trauma of what happened to her mom. Also, that, the one scene with just the dad and the stepmom on the front porch. Fantastic. When she goes, it would be one thing if there were another woman. I would fight like hell for this relationship. Mm-hmm. 
but I can't fight with a yeah. ghost. Or she's like, how am I supposed to fight a ghost? Oh, That's such oh, a great oh, line. That's so such a good, good line. And I was like, this was made for teenagers. Yes. It was so good. Yeah, honestly, been super surprised with DCOMs, the two DCOMs that I've watched so far, on how they've like dealt with characters. Because the characters have all been pretty solid for Listen, the most part it goes uphill and then goes downhill so just enjoy what we are i'm excited in. for the ride downhill but right now <laughs> it's pretty good and the parents like yeah like handled pretty deftly by those actors and like really like well fleshed out uh stepmom also like really well written to be like okay like this is like knowing her place in that whole scenario right too like her daughter is inheriting a giant like amount of wealth essentially from her pre like from her mother mm -hmm. from her husband's first marriage. And so now he is caught up in this thing with his daughter and she is kind of like looking in from the outside and how she deals with that as a character to both be like supportive and like also remind them of what their family is at this point in time is really good stuff. Like that's really great and it's like heartwarming and it's not like I really appreciate that the writers didn't create like a bunch of conflict with that just to have like conflict and drama that was like resolved half-heartedly at the end of the movie. Well, and her and Sydney's relationship Which was does really not sweet. happen with other characters. No. Her and Sydney's relationship was really sweet. And it was. I, I appreciate it also. It's not common for a Disney movie to uh, have a positively portrayed stepmother. I think the only thing that felt a little like weird to me was when... Uh, the dad and I, I swear her name's Melani, but if I'm getting that wrong, then that's, that's on me. But the dad and Melani are like having that conversation about um, Camilla's mom, like, and the, the stepmom is trying to like pull her out of the room and she's like doing it pretty yeah. physically. Like that was the only thing that felt a little off, but like, I, I also think that get, was like, on Camilla's part. I think that was in weird direction. Yeah, it was probably like, yeah. Because, like, it felt more forceful because she was, like, tugging rather than, like, taking her shoulder and moving her. But, I, yeah, I think I'll agree with you that that was probably more the director's fault than it was. Um, Malia, I think. Is oh, Malia. Whatever. I was hawaiian fizing it. Oh, no! What? There was a Sydney surf double. Really? Yes! That stinks. Her name was Prue. Oh, good job, Prue. You made <laughs> it really burns. believable. You there, did your job well because we didn't do, notice. We do know there were a couple scenes where Camilla was doing her own because, like, her very first surf scene when there she were some got wide up shots. On the board, yeah, you could tell like it was a pretty close up shot that you could see her face, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, she did that. Yeah, it, it was a nice wide shot where we could tell it definitely was her. Okay, all the kids had surf doubles, so my guess is that's probably more of a child actor liability. Yeah, type deal. probably. I think the only thing that got me about the parents was like after there's the big falling out when um camilla bell goes to the beach with the whales and everything like there's the big falling out after she sneaks out and everything oh, yeah that felt really rushed um it did but the thing is the dad makes such a huge deal about her safety oh no it's not after that it's um she's grounded because of when she goes surfing and she gets the cut yes, on her forehead yes. so he gets really upset and he's like you're not going out with those kids ever again and then the next scene she's out like with a total lack of supervision <laughs> <laughs> and like she's literally like surfing again and riding horses and everything it was like this dad is not doing his job like no. they're literally on vacation he's not even at work and she's just <laughs> leaving the house and he's like ah i'm sure she'll be fine like that's there was some suspension of disbelief going on there which was kind of funny um 
Uh, respect to Kona for wearing the same outfit to literally everything. Oh, and yeah, Kona's the, the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. the, like, or love the love interest, interest yes. yeah. Um, literally wearing the same outfit. Yeah, he committed to the bit, and the everywhere. guy was a Hawaiian shirt. It's like he got the cast on his arm, and they said, don't take this off, and he's like, I can't take off <laughs> any of, of my, my clothes. clothes. ever. <laughs> um, yeah, Setmom was incredibly level-headed. Sorry, I'm just going through my notes here. Uh, loved the magic Photoshop where there's literally just menu options and you can have the computer do exactly what you want without having to actually like click on anything it but was, the menu button. It was quintessential 2000s computer enhance. We literally have an enhance option that like <laughs> cr creates an HD picture from a very fuzzy one that can she had also, scanned into the computer. Can we also talk about the fact that the parents' jobs could not have been whiter? The parents themselves could not have been whiter. The dad was a professor right an english professor an english professor also we hear at the end of the movie that he's writing his novel or has been <laughs> writing right, his novel where he's like better novel. finish my novel <laughs> i was like maybe you were too busy writing your novel to make sure your daughter was staying at home when she was grounded <laughs> and then the stepmom's the, job the was just stepmom fabric fa designer fabric designer which I appreciated the explanation because when she suggested <laughs> to go to the museum to see blankets, not even like artisanal quilts or like it's their first day in Hawaii and first this day woman in Hawaii, is like she's maybe like, we should go to the museum a, to see the blankets. <laughs> there's an exhibit on blankets. That's like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a poorly written movie. <laughs> we, we at least got an explanation of crying. At least I understand why she wanted to go see an exhibit on blankets. But like oh in God. the moment when she's like, what, I forget what the dad said. He's like, oh, we can go to the library and pick out yeah, some books. Was, and she's like, like, we could go see some blankets. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you two? The two and most the, boring the daughter, The daughter goes... Or, like, we're in Hawaii. We could go to the beach, which is an outrageously reasonable thing to say at that point in time. And both of her parents look at her like she is insane. <laughs> to be fair, though, it that as the movie goes on, it makes more sense because the dad's just scared of the beach yeah, and, no, and like, water and all the things. No, but. no, it totally makes sense in the context of the movie <laughs> once you know everything about the parents later. But in that moment, you know nothing about the no, parents. And so nothing. it is wild <laughs> for them to be sitting in Hawaii with a native Hawaiian in the room with them, the, the lawyer guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then... And the dad's like, let's go to the library and get some books. And the mom's like, or we could go look at these blankets. And the daughter's like, what the hell is wrong with you two? Let's go to the beach. And then oh look God. at her like she's a mental patient. Like she just said the craziest oh thing. Oh, my gosh. Gosh. Man, a uh, wild way to introduce us to the parents. It was incredible. So I, I love that scene. Um, Can we talk about the cons? Because yeah. there are some cons that I want to talk let's about. Let's talk cons. In this movie. Um. First of all, um, kudos to the actress playing Gigi. She was trying her hardest. Gia. 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 I, I was looking forward to telling you this fact. First and last. That was her first and last. And she was a neat Rip girl. Rip girl. <laughs> oh, no. Um, she was. We have to give her points because she was a native Hawaiian. 
Yes. So we at least have that. And a fun little side story about her. This was her first and last acting gig. Mm -hmm. She grew up in Hawaii her whole life. She really wanted to do acting. Mm -hmm. So her parents, I think it was she and her mom, like her, her dad stayed back in Hawaii, but like she and her mom went to LA and he was like, you have one year to book something. And if you don't book something, then you're coming back. Interesting. And uh, literally like the 11th month of them being there for the one books year, this she role. books this role. Wow. And she loved surfing and she loved all these things. So she was like, it was the most fun I ever had. And now she runs like a, a jewelry business or something. Oh, wow. Well then good for her. Like I was going to say was like. a fun little side project for yeah. her. And she got to go to Australia for a couple months. Okay. So that's where it was filmed. It was not filmed in Hawaii. No, no, no. It was, was filmed very, very much in Australia. I was very skeptical <laughs> that it was filmed in Hawaii. Because literally every, like every shot every piece of B-roll that they had, there were like three different locales that they used. Oh, yeah. And it was very obvious that they were <laughs> looking out of like a real window well, into Hawaii. And they even had a couple of extras, like like background actors who mm -hmm. had a couple of lines that were Australian. Mm -hmm. And so I started catching on that I was like, this, I don't think this film was I, I didn't catch on to the accent thing, but I could tell, I was like, I, I don't think this was filmed in Hawaii. So I'm glad to know that it was filmed in Australia. Why Australia was cheaper than Hawaii, I don't, I don't know. I, but I think it's I, I, quite, quite a few things are filmed in Australia. Australia so it must be like the some kind of like film. Yeah, like film bonus, taxes, like maybe taxes or like whatever. Yeah. Like they get write offs for something for film. That makes sense to me. Um, but no, it clicked with me at the whale scene when when, <laughs> when we see the whales <laughs> breaching out of the water. At that moment, I was like, they're not in Australia. They're, no, they're, <laughs> they're not, not in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> they're not in australia either oh my gosh at that moment um so yeah that was that was a little off for me um but gia good good for you girl you know what like we love a little jaunt a, a career like, jaunt tried yeah you tried out acting discovered it wasn't for you and you had like a ton of fun making this film so good for you um but also on the note of gia i'm not gonna um i don't want to be mean um but I would like to talk about the weird second act climax where Gia and Camille Bell get angry at each other for almost no reason. Yeah, let's talk about it. That might have ruined the movie for me. It took me out of the movie so much yeah. at that point in time. It did not feel um, natural at all. And it wasn't just like the acting ability of the two actresses. It was the fact that like it was written so weird and there were like some lines that just seemed to come out of nowhere um and things that were like like obviously true that they didn't treat as not true does that make sense like we have um the one thing that stuck out to me is when um Gia's like you pretend to be like a really great surfer <laughs> and Camilla Bell's like I literally never did that <laughs> and she's like see you're just lying now and I'm like no, she's not. Like, what are you talking about right now? It was so weird. It was that line specifically that I really hated where she said, you always pretended like you were a really great surfer. And, and Camilla Bell's like literally like confused as if that line was not in the script. And she was like, <laughs> I never said that at all. And then like there's the whole thing where um, she accuses them. And like as a as like a teenager in this moment, like accusing them, like was our friendship ever real? kind of thing like that makes sense and then Gia to just suddenly be like well at first it wasn't but then it was 
was like a really weird thing because we never have any indication of that ever actually happening earlier in the film because everybody always treats her like so authentically um it's like if there would have just been a couple of little instances where you kind of like question the motivations of the friends then it would have felt much more natural. It's but it almost it as if the person in the binoculars was supposed to explain <laughs> literally everything that happened later in the movie, and then they never connected back to that person with the binoculars. So it was it was that one interaction that like I really, really struggled with because right before that, we had... There's the scene between the two of them where Camilla Bell finds Gia at her like special spot. Where she's like, oh, I come out here to think and everything. Like, Kona shouldn't have told you um, about this place. And then they have that, like, heart-to-heart about, like, the island and her heritage and everything. And then she comes back later and Gio's like, we were never friends and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you literally just had this moment where, like, you talked about what great friends you were. And then they have this weird falling out. And then the literal next scene of them together, granted, like, Camilla Bell has just saved Gio's life. But then she's like... Oh yeah, everything's great. Don't touch my arm. It hurts. Like <laughs> And then wild for her to also pull out the full contract from her oh, backpack. Like the like, unsigned contract. After not signing the contract. Cause I will say the the contract signing was my favorite part of the movie because I got so into that. I don't oh, know yeah, why. You were like, you knew what I was, it was screaming at my television. I knew she was not gonna sign it, but like they did that well. They like they they, they dialed up the drama to that really well. Um, because I think my biggest issue with the movie, I think that second act climax was probably like the bis- biggest example of it. But my biggest issue with the movie was just the fact that like so many things like didn't connect really well, and it wasn't like easy inferences kinds of things. It was like. No, if you've got a person hiding in the bushes with binoculars, like eventually you have to like (laughs) come out and like literally explain what that person is doing. I can't just infer that it was this lady, especially when we don't get like a clear shot of her face. Like again, it would have been one line. It's either you show her face or you don't even need a line. line. All it is is you need to see her looking through the binoculars and then then she pulls the binoculars down so that we can see her face. You need it all of two seconds. That's all we would need. Instead, she's in her like camo jungle garb and hat with just behind the binoculars and you're like i think it's a hawaiian woman yeah and so i think um overall like i did enjoy the movie more than i thought i would but it was just those like not making those connections that made me really struggle because it left me with different like at different points being like wait what's what's going on here how is this character related like why are we doing this right now kind of stuff so it did do things like really well like i do think that following that theme of like family and discovery and everything throughout the whole movie, especially with Camilla Bell's character, like learning to surf, but also learning about her heritage and like combining those two things. That was all done super well. That was really, really great. But like linking plot points together, not so much like, and then like the weird introductions of characters where like Camilla wakes up in this like weird shack in the forest and there's this like older woman there that's surprisingly <laughs> who then like without introducing herself tells her to drink something it's i like, was like girl, girl don't drink no that. that's don't true, do that and then rip girl. after yeah <laughs> rip girl like and then <laughs> after drinking the mystery drink which she says oh this is really good 
I'm like, did she spike that drink? We don't know. We literally don't because know. Because this woman takes her on an ATV tour of the <laughs> island, still not having introduced herself, I think. Well, no, but it's, we do, didn't she know it was Gia's mom? I don't even think so. It was, it was very unclear, but I do know at some point. But that's like, learn. again, that's like, that's the kind of stuff that like really grinded on me through this movie is the fact that it's like, they're talking as if we know what's happening, but as the audience, we can't be sure. Yeah. We don't know who the person with the binoculars is. <laughs> we don't know who this woman is. We don't know why these two friends are mad at each other. And so they're we talking. We don't know why the stepmom wants to go see blankets. Yeah, they're exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't know any of this stuff. And like some of it is like good writing so that like, Later, when the mom says, oh, I'm a fabric designer, it's like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. Like, we have that kind of foundation. But a lot of it isn't really, like, expounded on. And I feel like, yeah, there was probably, like, lines or scenes or something that were left on the cutting room floor because they wanted more <laughs> B-roll of kids surfing. Okay, Luke, the time has come. Game one, round one, D-combat. Mm -hmm. Genius versus Rip Curls. What is your score for Genius? Genius, I would give Genius four out of five Gravitons. Okay. What is your score for Rip Curls? Rip Curls gets three and a half slow-mo surf shots out of five. <laughs> so the winner of game one, round one is... Uh, genius, genius pulls off the upset. Yeah, Genius was seated lower in our standings, probably because people hadn't seen it before. But overall, I just like the movie better. I I think they were probably both on par with quality because there were a few things in Genius that kind of like mirrored some of the issues that Rip Girls had, um, like the professor coming back in on rollerblades. Like there was no indication that that was supposed <laughs> to happen. But when Genius had those kinds of issues, it was less impactful on the plot and it didn't really lose me as much. I was I was much it was much easier to roll with those issues than it was in Rip Girls. And I also just feel like I, um, on a personal level, I identified with Genius a lot more than I did Rip Girls. I've never been set to inherit a giant plantation on an island, but I have felt ostracized because of things that I like before. So it was easier for me to identify with Genius. So um, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more. It was funny. It was heartwarming. It was great. I uh, highly recommend watching it with your kids. Um, so Genius wins round one. See y'all next time. Da 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 da. Is that it? Yeah. Woo! That was fun.